If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. This is the Week 12 Recap, Week 13 Preview. Y'all are going to have to bear with me, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, my voice may be gone before the end of this show, so we'll we'll just see what happens. That's alright, as long as my voice is okay. I feel like yours uh, isn't that important anyway. No, you do most of that hard-hitting analysis. You you pretty much know a lot more about football than me, which is uh, evidenced in our in our uh, picks in our in our weekly game picks, right? Aren't you killing me by ten or something? No, you're up ten, but I do know more than you in general oh, about right. everything. <laughs> I just like to make you feel better. Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy week. A lot of the top scores are not names that you would normally think of. Uh, and uh, we are going to be previewing the Week 13 matchups, which is the last week of the fantasy regular season for most formats. And uh, it's really down to the wire here. It's uh, it's all or nothing if you need to make the playoffs. And for teams who have pretty much secured that first round bye week, uh, time to add some players with handcuff value. Hopefully you're still alive and kicking. But even if you're not, this is not the time to quit. There's, these games are important. They determine playoff seeding. A lot of guys, a lot of teams are one win away or one win from missing the playoffs. So please pay attention for the betterment of your league. Yeah, and it's no reason to be complacent uh, if you've already secured that first round by. I know in one of my leagues, uh, I added Ross Dwelly at tight end with Travis Kelsey on a bye, but coming into Very tonight. Very nice. Uh, right. Well, the point is, though, that coming into tonight's game, I'm already up about 30 points, and my opponent only has Greg Zerline tonight, which, who is very unlikely to score that amount. So I actually dropped uh, my tight end. I'm starting Kelsey on a bye this week to pick up Daryl Williams just in case Damian Williams is out. So just little moves like that, planning ahead if you've already won the week, uh, just small stuff like that can certainly make or break your playoff run. Very good. I snagged Alexander Madison, who was dropped by a needy team. Um, you know, just just on that gut shot that uh, that something happens. I like his schedule rest of season. I actually dropped uh, Gus Edwards to pick up Alexander Madison. So hopefully nothing happens to Mark Ingram tonight. <laughs> well, it's all uh, there's definitely a little bit of luck involved. I know. Uh, what was it last year? Uh, there was a debate over whether it was going to be Daryl Williams or Damian Williams to pick up, and Damian Williams ended up winning a lot of people fantasy championships. That he did. There haven't really been many guys like that this year, but could be Jonathan Williams. Right, but uh, knock on wood, uh, hopefully there won't be any big injuries. You're never rooting for, for injury for no. any of these players. Certainly not. All right, uh, let's move right into the Gillette Close Shave of the Week. And this week, Carolina seemed to think, uh, or excuse me, Carolina seemed like it would be a walk in the park for New Orleans after Atlanta stomped all over Kyle Allen, but the Panthers fought hard, keeping the Saints' lead to just one score all game. Allen threw for a great 250-plus yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions, but at the end of the day, it did not matter. Michael Thomas was simply unstoppable, as he has been all season long. Drew Brees found Thomas time and again in crucial situations. 
and he came through. On Thomas's 11 targets, he logged 10 catches for 101 yards and a touchdown, including a big 24-yard reception on a crucial third down with under a minute to play to keep that drive going, eventually setting up Will Lutz for a game-winning field goal. Get your close shave like Michael Thomas with Gillette. There's a the best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. I think I think Michael Thomas, the name just speaks for himself. We know how great he is. There's nothing really for me to add there. No, I mean, he's been, you know, the wide receiver one every week. And, ooh, Lamar Jackson, this close to another touchdown. Yeesh, who too? I can't, I can't get it up going right now. Yeah, so it's already 14-3, to and uh, the Ravens are knocking on the door yet again. Did he throw to Mark Andrews? No, he ran for about 30 yards. Oh, okay. So and, it's going to be a uh, uh, play-action fake to the tight end. Very good. <laughs> we'll see about that. But I, I don't know what exactly happened here. It looks like he just tripped and got tackled on the half-yard line. Casper the Friendly Ghost jumped out uh, jumped out to elongate the game. Yeah, that, that play could uh, swing some fantasy matchups this week. That's for sure. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the game previews for this coming week. Uh, this week, of course, we have Thanksgiving, a uh, a holiday like no other, coming this Thursday. And with it, the NFL now gives us three games every year on Thanksgiving. So our first one will kick off at 11.30 a.m. Central, 12.30 Eastern time. Our Chicago Bears go into Detroit. Uh, the Bears get the short week to roll into Detroit for the early game. Mitchell Trubisky threw for 278 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions against the bad Giants defense. If you're desperate, I think he can be okay here in Detroit. Allen Robinson af- abused the Giants for 6 of 10, 131 in his touchdown, despite Mitchell's best efforts. And he's a wide receiver, too, again, here in Detroit. There should be a lot more upside against this Detroit secondary, but I just don't trust Mitch, especially on this short week, and especially against the run defense that should be without Snacks Harrison, which I think is going to spell a real running back two day for David Montgomery. Should be plenty of run for him. And solid flex or running back three upside for Tariq Cohen, who should get some uh, rushes in, and who had run one of his now rare seven catch days this past week. Um, I think that he should have a decent floor if that's what you're looking for this week. Man, I don't know. It's it's tough to trust David Montgomery at this point. Just 50 yards sure. rushing combined the last two games. Uh, and Trubisky has started running a little bit more, especially near the goal line. So that could vulture some of that touchdown upside that we would hope for uh, David Montgomery here. I still have him as just a flex who's going to be needing a touchdown to really be worth starting here. Um, Allen Robinson, you mentioned the big day against the Giants. I still like him as a low-end wide receiver, too, here, but I have downgraded him a little bit this week due to that tough matchup against Darius Slay. Uh, However, this could open up some targets for Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel, both of whom have been productive lately with the Bears' offense improving a little bit. Both Miller and Gabriel I have ranked as boomer bust wide receiver fours here with a little bit upside against this Lions defense that's allowing the 10th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And I suppose that brings us full circle back to Mitch Trubisky, who I do, uh, you know, he's a risk-reward mid-range QB2 this week. Uh, this Detroit defense has been walked all over this week, or excuse me, this year, um, and they've given up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So is he trustworthy? No, but he certainly does have high upside this week and scored 20 points three weeks ago against them. 
On the other side, the Lions came up short to the woeful, woeful Redskins. Uh, this is going to be another tough day it's Jeff for fantasy production. As Jeff Driscoll takes very few chances. Kenny Galladay was limited to just four catches on only four targets, 61 yards against a Washington secondary. He's a low-end wide receiver, too, with probably wide receiver three or worse downside versus Chicago. Marvin Jones is a flex option with that limited uh, Driscoll-given ceiling, but he does get a ton of targets from Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, converting just five of the 11 for 46 yards. Tight end Logan Thomas scored a touchdown on two targets, but I'm certainly not chasing that. There was a three-man committee at tight end for the Lions, so look somewhere else. The running back situation may be a tad clearer now. Bo Scarborough led, led again, 18 carries, 98 yards. To Ty Johnson's four carries for 11 with just two catches. And J.D. McKissick touching the ball just three times all day. I don't think Chicago gets up big, so Scarborough, Scarborough will still lead in touches, but I think he's limited to a running back three-day against this defense regardless. Not expecting a touchdown for him here. So this could actually be real bad news for Detroit because it actually came out uh, this evening that Jeff Driscoll uh, is questionable with a hamstring injury. Uh, so not it's, good. it's not out of the question that the Lions could be down to their third string quarterback here, a man by the name of David Bluch or Blau. I don't know how, how you pronounce his last Blugger. name. Blugger. <laughs> Yeah, so that would certainly uh, require a Thanksgiving miracle for the Lions if Driscoll can't go. Um, and the the reason that it seems pessimistic that Driscoll could play on a short week on Thursday is because Detroit reportedly tried signing Josh Johnson away from the XFL earlier today, um, but they got oh. denied. So, I mean, the, reason, the only reason I could really see them trying to get quarterback depth is they don't think Driscoll can go. Um I think that's pretty smart. I mean, it's a bad sign, so we'll see. But if Bluh starts on Thursday, uh, both Galladay and Jones uh, would be pretty Bluh. Uh, I have him as just high-end wide receiver fours uh, if Driscoll is out. Um, maybe low-end flex plays. As you said, Scarborough uh, could is probably going to have the best fantasy day given his workload. Um, really, Ty Johnson has been phased out, and J.D. McKissick wasn't used as much in the passing game, though I would assume that he's still their primary receiving back. Uh, but either way, uh, just not a whole lot of scoring upside, as you said, and even less scoring upside on those drives if Detroit is indeed down to their third-string guy. This game, uh, you know, if Driscoll plays, it could go either way, but with him nursing the hamstring injury, whether he's out or limited, uh, in mobility, even if he does play it. I'm going to give Chicago the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I, I, I give Chicago the win here. Um, Khalil Mack should have a field day with this guy. Thursday, 3.30 p.m. game, 4.30 Eastern. Buffalo at Dallas. Buffalo took Denver to town, winning 20-3. to They get the short week to prep for the midday Thanksgiving game in Dallas. I'm not ch- changing uh, much at all in the projections for Buffalo. Another near 20-point day for Josh Allen, 185 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, 56 yards added rushing. He remains a solid floor back-end quarterback one. John Brown was actually awesome um, on the field, not from a fantasy standpoint, but he was pretty good against tough Chris Harris coverage, converting just two of his four targets, but 39 yards and a touchdown, looking like an NFL wide receiver against uh, a really great defensive player. He's a back-end wide receiver two or three here. Dallas is, is stingy on defense. Uh, Devin Singletary led backs with 21 carries, 106 yards, and just one catch. 
Still waiting for that receptions number to climb, but which will happen. But he's a running back, too, with a tough couple of weeks to come. Um, he, if he's someone you're planning on relying on in the playoffs, I'd seriously try to use my bench to stash some flyers or upside handcuffs here. Um, he's, he's got a very tough schedule to come. Congratulations to Frank Gore, passing Barry Sanders to become the number three all-time rushing leader. Uh, he's going to continue to get a few carries to pump that number up, but I do think he's droppable if you haven't done so yet. Uh, their playoff matchups are Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England. Uh, not a ton of rushing or on-the-ground upside for for either of these backs in your playoffs. Right, and you know the same point goes for Josh Allen. Uh, he's certainly not droppable per se, but if for some reason your trade deadline hasn't passed, uh, just those are terrible matchups in the fantasy playoffs. Um, but however, he is the fantasy quarterback six on the year. He's been limiting those turnovers, and of course, he adds the rushing production, uh, which allows him those QB one numbers. As you said, Singletary has been playing well, but Gore is still involved, and that just limits his upside. I've got Singletary as a mid-range RB3 or flex here. And then last week, even though I was down on John Brown, I had him as a low-end wide receiver two in a tough matchup against Chris Harris Jr. He did come through with that touchdown despite only having two catches on four targets all game. Brown remains in play this week as a high-end wide receiver three. And if you're desperate at tight end, Dawson Knox is still splitting snaps with Tyler Croft. But Knox has that playmaking ability, and Dallas is giving up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. The Cowboys were held in check by the Patriots for nine points, 200 yards and an interception for Dak. With with just four of six, 55 yards for Michael Gallup, zero catches for Amari Cooper on just two targets, and four of seven, 86 yards for Randall Cobb, the third passing option. The Patriots' defense is clearly legitimate. Uh, Dallas gets Buffalo, who will try to do the same thing to them, but Cooper and Gallup should fare a tad better this week. Uh, Cooper's a, a back-end wide receiver one who should find some gaps, probably put up a wide receiver two type day, and Gallup is a flex option for me here still. Cobb probably has a solid flex uh, a solid flex floor here, but I don't see much upside, much ceiling for him. And Zeke should see a chunk of work with the Buffalo run defense being their weakness. He's a surefire running back one. Yeah, I think the only one I'm not with you there on is Cooper. Um, you know, super talented wide receiver, but I still have him in that low-end wide receiver two range yet again this week. He's really struggled against press coverage against top corners. And Cooper is very likely to see a lot of Tredavious White this week. Uh, I wouldn't expect another shutout like Gilmore got on him, but I could see Cooper limited again to just a few catches, maybe 50 yards or under. Uh, don't see a touchdown here. And, and for that reason, I do I do like Michael Gallup uh, as a wide receiver three with upside and Randall Cobb, as you said, as a low-end flex uh, with a decent floor here in PPR. I would expect both of these guys to see more targets because of that coverage on Cooper. And even though it was a tough day for Prescott in that rain against the elite Patriots defense, Prescott's been as reliable as they come outside of the New England game and then another tough loss to New Orleans earlier in the year. He's back to a mid-range QB1 for me, even though Buffalo is tough to pass on. And Of course, you're starting Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Based on the comments uh, from Jerry Jones after that game uh, against the Patriots, uh, Jason Garrett's job could be riding on this game. This is a must-win for the Cowboys and I do think that they're going to pull it off at home on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't know why the comments didn't come after they lost to the Jets, but sure, save it for the Patriots. I think Dallas wins here too. 
Thursday night, 7.20 Central, 8.20 Eastern, New Orleans at Atlanta, also on Thanksgiving night. Uh, the Saints endured the Panthers and will go into Atlanta for Thanksgiving night. Breeze is a quarterback one after another three-touchdown day with 311 yards. Michael Thomas is the wide receiver, is a wide receiver one, our close-shave player of the week. 10 of 11, 101 yards in the touchdown. Kamara is a running back one, tons of carries, tons of targets. Latavius Murray has been getting enough run to be annoying for Murray owners, but not enough for me to start him uh, higher than a running back three in Atlanta. Traquan Smith scored on a wide open uh, one catch touchdown, but didn't see anything else. Jared Cook had the nice six of eight, 99 yards and a touchdown day. He's primed for a big letdown, of course, after two big weeks, because that's exactly what Jared Cook does. He builds up your hopes and dreams and then he, he leaves, he stays home or something. Uh, but seriously, he's been the number two downfield passing option for this team. He's looked pretty decent with Drew Brees. Uh, I feel safe, um, borderline confident with him this week. He's he's definitely a tight end one with the current tight end landscape. But, you know, just don't be shocked if he lets you down. Yeah, we'll see um, if you can stay up past the Thanksgiving dinner food coma. This should be a fun game to watch. <laughs> Uh, after the Falcons beat down on the Saints uh, a few weeks ago in that surprise upset. Uh, you know, since then, Atlanta's defense, uh, they've been pretty lights out against both New Orleans and Carolina, but they kind of turned back into a pumpkin against Tampa Bay this past <laughs> week. Uh, we'll see if they're up to the task on Thanksgiving night, but uh, I'm certainly not scared off starting the usual Saints. I like Breeze as a low-end QB1 with upside here, Camara mid-range RB1. As you said, Murray, despite the the added workload this past week, still a boomer bust flex option who needs a touchdown to really return value. And of course, you're starting Michael Thomas, our Gillette Close Shave Player of the Week. And Jared Cook, uh, as you said, a viable low end tight end one given the the horrendous current landscape of tight ends around the league. Um, one other note here, if you're desperate or in deeper leagues, maybe Ted Ginn gets a touchdown here, but just a dart throw wide receiver five. The Falcons get the short week to prep for the Saints, and not really much changes for them. Uh, the Saints have been middling against wide receivers, so Matt Ryan should have a nice bounce-back quarterback one game after just a poor day versus Tampa Bay. I'll give him the mulligan there. That can happen. If Julio's good to go, he's a wide receiver one. If he is not ready, then Calvin Ridley steps up as an upside high in the wide receiver two. We just saw his ability on six for 85 in a touchdown day. And Russell Gage will step into strong flex consideration. Uh, with Julio out, he saw 10 targets, 8 catches, 76 yards. Julio wasn't out the whole game, um, but they showed they're certainly not afraid to lean on Russell Gage in a pinch. I think he needs to be owned right now at this point in the season, given the receiving upside on this team and the age and uh, foot and injury history of Julio Jones. The running back situation is a mess. Uh, 8 carries, 20 yards, and a touchdown for Quadre Allison. Nine carries, 14 yards for Brian Hill with three catches. And the Saints are very tough on running backs. Uh, I'm not expecting much from either of the, those two or Kenyon Barner here. I think they can all three take a seat on your bench. I wouldn't start any one of them. No, and there's a chance that Devontae Freeman could be back for this one as well. Um, if he's active, I like Freeman a little bit as a low-end RB2, high-end RB3. But as you said, if, if Freeman cannot make it back here, none of the other Atlanta running backs are really worth starting given that split workload here. Um, if I had to pick one, I guess Hill would be the best option. He's the most involved pass catcher in PPR formats, but still just a fantasy running back four with a low ceiling here. Uh, the big question is going to be Julio Jones, who's questionable with a shoulder injury, was in and out of the game 
this past week, uh, did not practice today. So that's definitely something to monitor with the game being on Thursday night. Um, that said, uh, you know, Atlanta couldn't handle Tampa Bay's pass rush and we'll see if the saints can get to Matt Ryan as much as Tampa Bay did. Uh, I do still have Ryan as a low end QB one. Um, if Julio plays, but if Julio is out, I would downgrade Ryan to just a mid range QB two. really don't love him without his top two targets with Austin Hooper still very much questionable for this game. Um, as for Julio, he would be a wide receiver one, of course, if he is active, uh, and Ridley, a low-end wide receiver two. And as you said, Russell Gage, some upside as a wide receiver four. But if Julio Jones is out, I would upgrade Ridley slightly with a bigger expected target share. I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver two in that case, and Gage upgraded to a low-end flex play. Given the shoulder injury for Julio, even if he plays, he's probably going to be limited or possibly... Uh, you know, with the risk of re-injury here, I am going to take the Saints to win this rematch. Yeah, give me the Saints to cook up some bird on Thanksgiving night. <laughs> I see what that'll you did bring there. us into Sunday. Uh, so you like that, huh? Uh, that'll take us into Sunday. Um, the normal noon, one p.m. Uh, Eastern time games. Uh, new, wow, noon, one p.m. Eastern, huh? That's something. New York Jets and Cincinnati. I don't know uh, what makes this Jets team wake up for some games, but they did it again versus Oakland, winning 34-3. to uh, Sam Darnold has definite appeal here versus Cincinnati, 300-plus yards and two touchdowns against Oakland. Love Bell is a running back one this week here. I'm not chasing Robbie Anderson, though, despite a touchdown in two straight weeks. Last week was a fluke with one catch, and this week was solid, sure, but he's disappeared all season, and he could – Disappear again at a moment's notice. Uh, it also happened in a week where Jamison Crowder saw just four targets, two catches, 18 yards, which is very rare for him. He should bounce back as a PPR wide receiver two or a solid standard wide receiver three. Ryan Griffin keeps getting it done somehow. Three catches, three uh, three targets, 13 yards with another touchdown, and he's a tight end one for the time being. Yeah, we talked about Ryan Griffin, uh, you know, getting consistent enough target volume. Uh, we highlighted him in our waiver wire section on last week's show. Uh, he's been a red zone mat target magnet for Sam Darnold, and he is a low-end tight end one this week. And going forward, unless we see, uh, you know, Griffin's usage change. In fact, the Jets just expressed their vote of confidence in him, signing him to an extension. Um, you know, he remains the priority waiver wire ad at tight end if he's still out there in your leagues. And we'll talk about him again uh, later on in the show. The Jets, uh, you know, they, as you said, woke up Spoiler against alert. Oakland. Yeah. Um, you know, woke up against Oakland. They've feasted on bad defenses the last few weeks. I would expect more of the same here. I like Darnold as a mid range QB one with upside borderline top five against this bad Bengals offense or excuse me, Bengals defense. Uh, Bell, I've got as a pretty safe mid-range RB1 with upside as well. And while the receivers haven't been the most reliable, both Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson are boomer bust wide receiver threes here with huge upside. And even Demarius Thomas joins the party. I've got him as a low-end wide receiver four with some upside in this matchup as well. Yes, for the Bengals, uh, they they get the Jets at home, whose defense is not terrible. Mixon should still be a midline running back, too, who for some reason still sees no passing volume. Um, Andy Dalton has reclaimed the starting job. Good for him. Uh, so Tyler Boyd may not be finished after all. 
He did have a solid day, 5 of 9, 101 yards, uh, and a touchdown with Finley, who started taking some risks downfield. Should be a solid enough wide receiver three play with upside, um, in as much upside as the Bengals can give you. He will need to, uh, he's definitely going to need to be if this team want, wants a shot in any game. Alex Erickson was, was second on the team, just two catches, eight targets, 43 yards, just one catch for Autumn Tate. Auden Tate, who's coming back off the concussion, um, it's all gross, but Boyd's at the top, and there's a little more upside if you're if you're desperate with uh, Dalton at the helm. Yeah, and uh, a rookie move just now by Seth Roberts, who should have stepped out of bounds with about 15 seconds left in the half, and his team only one timeout. But uh, you know, apparently he thought he was Tyreek Hill and could make some guys miss and make it make another 10 yards to the touchdown, but he most certainly is not. Um, wow. What is there to say at this point for Cincinnati, really? Uh, I guess Dalton is an upgrade over Finley, but you're not relying on him outside of Superflex or two quarterback leagues here. Just uh, a weird situation, kind of like uh, you know the Cincinnati coaching staff going back to their ex who they dumped and saying, hey, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we messed up, you know, uh, we want you back here. I don't know. Um, I, I don't see any reason for Dalton to really exert himself. Uh, he's probably gone after this season. Uh, I guess uh, at running back, Mixon's getting most of the touches uh, on the ground, but he's still not super involved in the passing game. He's a flex play against a very good Jets run defense. Um, but just Giovanni Bernard siphoning all that PPR value, certainly not great. Uh, the good news is the squeaky wheel did finally get the grease. Uh, Tyler Boyd, uh, after voicing his... Uh, discontent with his low target share against Oakland uh, led the team here against Pittsburgh with nine targets converted five for 101 and a touchdown as you said Boyd uh, I do like a lot especially with Dalton back I've got him as a wide receiver three with upside and probably the only reliable Bengals pass catcher here if I had to pick another guy it'd probably be Alex Erickson as a wide receiver five but not a whole lot of upside for Erickson or Tate I'm expecting another strong showing from the Jets here in a lost season for the Bengals, so give me the Jets. I will take the Jets. Uh, Tennessee at Indianapolis. The Titans beat Jaguars behind 40 yards and two rushing touchdowns and 250 passing yards and two passing touchdowns for Ryan Tannehill, including four or five 135 yards and a touchdown for A.J. Brown and another disappointing two-catch 29-yard on three-target day for Corey Davis. Uh, Indy is, is a decent matchup for the uh, for the wideouts, but I'm not trusting either of them. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. Janu Smith saw no targets. Uh, very nice day for Tannehill, though, four touchdowns. I'm not expecting Lightning to strike like that twice. Uh, he, he's a decent quarterback, too. Probably has uh, some solid streamer upside in a pinch. Um, Derrick Henry ran hard with the lead. 19 carries, 159 yards, and two touchdowns and one catch. But it could be a disappointing day for him in Indianapolis if if the team gets down early, which there definitely is a chance of happening. He's still running back, too. He's not finding anybody's bench as a top five running back on the year, including PPR leagues. So um, pop quiz time for you, Los. Okay. Can you name, uh, in the five weeks since Ryan Tannehill took over the starting job in Tennessee, name all the quarterbacks who have outscored him in fantasy points per game? Points per game? Yep. Okay, not on a weekly thing. You're just asking me over the past five weeks who's better in points per game? Yep. Uh, Let's say Lamar Jackson? Yep. Um, Drew Brees? 
Nope. Uh, hmm. Deshaun? No, it wasn't him. How about Deshaun Watson? No, I'll uh, I'll save you some time here. It, you already named the one quarterback. Um, that was it. Yep. <laughs> wow. Um, if you That's if you crazy. want to nitpick uh, Matthew Stafford in points per game, uh, you know he's missed the last three weeks, but in those two starts, sure. uh, he barely outscored Tannehill. Um, but wow. yeah, he's the fantasy quarterback too over the last four or five weeks. Um, so while well, we I knew this week was going to pump that value up a little bit. Oh, so that's for why sure. I didn't go to diving too deep. Yeah, definitely. And in a league, I, I considered starting Rodgers over Tannehill, but I did end up going with Tannehill. So um, honestly, I, I think right now, even though the Colts are a tough matchup for quarterbacks, but given all the matchups around the league, uh, you know, this isn't all that bad. I still have Tannehill ranked as a low in QB1. Um, he's just shown enough consistency and, you know, he's only 31 years old, still has that rushing production. As you mentioned, the 40 yards and the two touchdowns uh, on the ground this past week, certainly wouldn't expect that many scores, but, uh, that is giving him both a high floor and a high ceiling in fantasy. Um, so start him up as for Derrick Henry, uh, as you said, uh, the Colts are tough to run on and he's not involved too much as a pass catcher, but he also gives you those 80 plus yard touchdowns. Um, despite loving him last week, uh, expected him to have a pretty big day as he did against Jacksonville, but I do have Henry downgraded a little bit to a high-end RB2. You're certainly not benching him, but uh, I, I don't know that he's going to have a huge day here. Uh, you're hoping for a touchdown as well. And while A.J. Brown had a huge day with that 65-yard touchdown, he saw just five targets. Tannehill also barely missed Corey Davis on a long pass that could have gone for a touchdown as well. But the point here is Tannehill has been spreading the targets around. None of these Titans pass catchers are really reliable here. Uh, your best bet is probably A.J. Brown with that yards after the catch ability. Uh, but even so, he's a boomer bust wide receiver four. And on the tight end front, Delaney Walker may or may not return this week from that ankle injury. But again, Walker would be likely to share a role with Jonu Smith and Anthony Ferkser even when he returns. And Tannehill really hasn't locked on to his tight ends like Mariota did. So none of these guys are really worth more of a start than a low-end tight end, too. The Colts took a seat to the Texans. They're going to need to get back on their game for the home divisional Tennessee matchup. Jacoby Brissett did not do much through the air, but did run in a touchdown. Remains a mid-level quarterback, too, here. Jonathan Williams led the backfield 26 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown, and three catches to just nine for 51 and two catches for Naeem Hines, rare uh, low amount of receptions for him, and zero touches to Jordan Wilkins after uh, after all the reports during the week from the beat writers that Jordan Wilkins was going to come take a big chunk from Jonathan Williams. For now, it looks like Williams' job, but he is a back-end running back, too, with risk against Tennessee. Eric Ebron's done for the season, so Jack Doyle steps up as an upside tight end, too, while T.Y. Hilton had a down week again with some uncharacteristic dropped balls. Uh, if he's healthy, if he's getting back on track, look for him to return to wide receiver two status here. Right. The real question is just how healthy T.Y. Hilton is. Certainly doesn't look 100% yet from that calf injury. Um, he should play again this week. Uh, but again, uh, you know, just until we see him fully healthy, I, I've got him as just a high-end wide receiver three with upside. I just want to see it first. It's hard to project anything more for him without knowing how that calf is truly feeling. Uh, Jacoby Brissett I've got as an okay QB2 against this Tennessee defense, uh, but they may prefer to attack the Titans on the ground. 
Uh, that is, uh, you know, the the run defense for Tennessee has been playing a little bit more inconsistently. And as you said, Jonathan Williams certainly had a nice night against Houston despite the loss with Marlon Mack out. Um, Williams I've got as a decent RB2 play here, assuming he continues handling the bulk of the team's carries. But Naeem Hines is a decent flex play in PPR. Uh, he took a few rushes in key situations against the Texans, and he's still playing the primary uh, receiving back role. Uh, Paris Campbell uh, might be back for this game, but uh, you're certainly not starting him in fantasy. That's kind of just more to help Brissett's upside. But the big story here is Eric Ebron going on injured reserve uh, with both ankle injuries, I believe it was. So not just the one, but both ankles. Um, Jack Doyle is going to be worth a look uh, as a high-end tight end two, maybe even low-end tight end one, uh, if that target volume goes up a little bit with Ebron out. And then in real deep leagues, uh, Mo Alley Cox is a name to monitor as the number two tight end now for the Colts. Uh, Alley Cox is one of those raw prospects, uh, a basketball convert with that athleticism. So it's possible that Brissett could find him in the end zone if he plays that Ebron type role. That's a tough call here, uh, as as it is with uh, you know all divisional matchups. And and on paper, I think the Colts should take this, but. With Hilton still not fully looking healthy, I'm going to bet on Ryan Tannehill to stay hot. Give me Tennessee. Yeah, this is the toughest one for me also. Um, I feel like Tennessee has the momentum. They, I mean, they definitely have the momentum of the two teams right now. Well, but I mean, yeah, this is this is my toughest one of the week. To be fair, uh, as crazy as it sounds, both, both of these teams beat the Chiefs. Right? Yeah. yeah. With that run game. But Mac is down, and that's what really that's what really this hinges on. Is I I think Andy, I wouldn't say not necessarily outclasses them, but has the edge with both of their lines. But Tannehill's just getting it done right now, honestly. I, I don't know about the offensive line. The Titans' offensive line has looked really good now that they're all healthy. It's underrated, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah. I don't think they'll be underrated for very much longer if Henry has another two hundred yard type day. That's true. Good points. Good points. Uh, Philadelphia at Miami. Carson Wentz was bad against the Seahawks, just 250 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. But he has limited offensive options right now with a running back, uh, down a running back and three wide receivers. He gets that nice Miami matchup, which could be good if you're needy and can grab Miles Sanders or Dallas Goddard off waivers or if you want to put faith into J.J. or Sega Whiteside. Uh they have upside in Miami. Ertz, of course, is a tight end one after 12 of 14, 91 yards and a touchdown. But with all the wide receivers out, Goddard has tight end one upside too. Seven catches, eight targets, just 32 yards this week with more to come in Miami if Elshon and Aguilar can't get on the field. Sanders is a running back too with upside if Jordan Howard remains out also. All right, good news, bad news time. Which one do you want first? Uh, uh, bad news. All right, well, the bad news is that Carson Wentz has a hand injury on his throwing hand. Um, the x-rays did come back negative, but uh, per a few sources on Twitter, it is possible to still have a fracture or major sprain that does not show on the x-ray. So certainly not great uh, if, he, if his throwing hand, excuse me, um, is not 100% healthy. Uh, the good news... Could I have more bad news? Sure. What, what do you want? <laughs> Just get, just keep it rolling. Uh, global warming, uh, World War Three. Uh, I don't know what else. Oh come on! I don't want fake bad news. I want bad. News. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Um, well, the bad news is if you're an Eagles fan, uh, this season is not looking great. But the good news is that the Eagles do have a pretty easy schedule coming up. So it's still it's not out of the question that they won't make the playoffs. They could still very well win the NFC East. There you go. There's some good news. There's a glimmer of hope. Yep. And more good news here. Um, Philly released Jordan Matthews earlier today. So this is a good sign that either one of or both of Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey should be ready to return this week. Um, <clears throat> All right. Excuse me. Assuming that both play here, I would rank Jeffrey a little bit higher as a mid-range wide receiver three. Aguilar, boomer bust, wide receiver four. Um, Wentz's hand is a concern as well, but we've seen that Josh McCown is a more than adequate backup in the league, so I wouldn't downgrade any of the Eagles' skill players too much, even if Wentz misses this game, uh, especially in a good matchup against the Dolphins here. Um, of course, I wouldn't expect a huge game. Uh, it sounds like Jordan Howard uh, needs another week here, so Miles Sanders should see most of the workload again. Uh, that hasn't translated to the fantasy production yet, but it, this is a great matchup on the ground against Miami as well as through the air. So I've got Sanders as a mid-range RB2 with upside. Of course, you're starting Ertz, as you said. I've got Goddard as a mid-range tight end, too. Uh, let's move on to the other side. Miami scored 24 points, which is just two points short of their season high this year. This is going to be a tough date with the Eagles, though, who stifle the run game and have improved a tad against the pass. You were not considering the running backs here, though, with Balazs giving just uh, seven r- r- rushes, 13 yards, and one catch. Devontae Parker has another week of wide receiver two upside after six for 11, 91 yards. No touchdown this week, though, but he has that upside. We've talked about Mike Gesicki as a potential tight end for the playoff run, and the secret is going to be out now for sure after his touchdown day. Should put him on tight end needy teams' radars for sure. Uh, Fitzpatrick is a gross but usable stream play in leagues where there's no penalty for quarterback sacks. Yeah, not not much to say weekly for the Dolphins. I've got Parker as a low end wide receiver too uh, as well, and Gesicki I've got as a high end tight end too. Uh, he did play uh, over 90% of the snaps. Uh, this past week, so certainly his usage is, is trending up, but uh, not a whole lot else here. Uh, give me the Eagles, even uh, if Josh McCown has to start this week. Fly, Eagles, fly. Green Bay at New York Giants. The Packers were demolished to the tune of 37-8 to by San Francisco, and I could not be happier about that. Just 100 yards and a touchdown and a two-point conversion for Devontae Adams, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. Um this will be a big week against uh, the Giants as they should lean into the win here. Should be an upside week for Rodgers. Devontae Adams is wide receiver one. But the secondary options are just brutal on the other parts of the field. Uh, I think this is a just fine week for Aaron Jones as a running back one and Jabal Williams in the flex. I'm not worried at all about Jones's usage there. He has an injury history, and I think they just want him healthy down the stretch. So way overuse him when you're down 30 points. Yeah, it's... I am worried about the usage, though. Um, Green Bay is moving back towards that committee. And as you said, you know, they're looking forward to the NFL playoffs. So I understand, but it does limit Jones's fantasy ceiling. Uh, plus, his target share has dropped since Devontae Adams has returned. So I still agree that he's a good, good start this week. Um, but Jones could be just a running back, too, if that. Uh, in a few weeks in the fantasy playoffs, uh, just looking ahead weeks 15 and 16, um, Green Bay gets Chicago and Minnesota. And while those defenses have not been as good uh, as expected this year, uh, that's still going to be an issue if his workload is going to be limited in these matchups. So 
Just looking ahead, a little bit nervous about Jones, but as you said, uh, I still like him as an RB1 here. Um, really, this should be a good confidence builder all around for the Packers after that drubbing by the Niners. I like Rodgers to bounce back. Uh, I've got him as a top three quarterback play this week. Uh, Adams, a top five wide receiver with huge upside. And then Alan Lazard seems to be the number two guy now uh, of the wide receivers. Still not getting consistent targets, but he's getting a few end arounds. And I think he's a wide receiver four here with upside against the Giants team that's given up a lot of big plays in their secondary. Um, I, I think this could be another big day for the Packers offense like they did, like they had, excuse me, uh, against Oakland a few weeks back. The Giants kept it within one score to Chicago despite getting basically dominated by their defense. Um, 17 carries, 59 yards, and two catches for Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones threw for just 150 yards and two touchdowns, including three catches, seven targets, 33 yards, and a touchdown to Golden Tate. Five catches, six targets, 17 yards, and a touchdown to tight end Caden Smith, not Rhett Ellison. Four of seven for 67 yards to Darius Slayton, and just five of nine for 15 yards only for Sterling Shepard. I think Barkley uh, Barkley bounces back against Green Bay as a back-end running back one, who has definitely been less than he was drafted to be, unfortunately. I would avoid all the receivers except uh, Tate here if Tate is healthy. And just as a flex, uh, not just because Green Bay's been decent against wide receivers, but also I think Shepard's healthy presence and Slayton's emergence forces a rotation that limits all of their upside. Uh, With Tayton concussion protocol right now, though, if he can't clear, I think Shepard becomes very interesting, likely back in his slot role and becomes a wide receiver three consideration for sure. Yeah, just not much to love on the Giants here. I guess Barkley's still a low-end RB1 due to his talent, but he just doesn't look 100% healthy right now. He was busting out some crazy yards-after-the-catch type plays, uh, yards-after-contact last year, and he really just hasn't broken that many big plays lately. Um, Part of that is probably due to the Giants' offense struggling in general, but I do think that part of that is he tried to come back too soon from that high ankle sprain, and it might still be bothering him a little bit. Um, as you said, if Tate is out with a concussion, though, it could be a few more receptions for Barkley as well. So we'll see. Uh, if Tate plays, I've got him as a flex, uh, and the other wide receivers just wide receiver fives. If Tate is out, then I would elevate Shepard, as you said, to that flex play. Uh, excuse me, that flex play level and Slayton, a high end wide receiver four. Um, we'll see about Evan Ingram's foot as well. He started practicing last week a little bit. Uh, could be back for this one. He'd be an immediate tight end one. If he's active, just given how badly George Kittle gashed this Packers defense uh, that's really struggled against tight ends this year. Uh, again, this should just be a great confidence builder, bounce back game for Green Bay after you know that terrible loss last night. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers here. I will take the Packers too. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. The Browns hung 41 points on the Dolphins. The second part of that statement, of course, gives me the most pause for the excitement about it being against the Dolphins. But their schedule doesn't get a much get much worse uh, later later this season. Pittsburgh is probably their toughest matchup this week. Uh, I'd hold Baker on the roster in prepping for the playoffs, but I'm not starting him in Pittsburgh. Landry and OBJ are both wide receiver twos. I guess I still have Beckham over Landry for the upside, but Landry has been way better for fantasy the past few weeks, so I don't know about that even. Uh, Nick Chubb remains a high-end running back, two, 21 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown, and three catches to Kareem Hunt's eight 
A, uh, eight carries, 37 yards on a touchdown, and just two catches for some reason this week. Uh, Hunt's a great flex option that teeters into running back to value himself. David Joku can be back uh, to make his return here, but I would not put him in any of the lineups until we see how he looks on the field. Yeah, Njoku's interesting uh, just because, one, uh, you know, if you're desperate, Pittsburgh uh, does is a good matchup for tight ends. They've allowed the seventh most fantasy points to opposing tight ends this year. Uh, and two, Njoku could get on the field quite a bit because Cleveland has moved to more uh, 12 formation sets uh, as of late. So even if, uh, you know, he's not ready to play as the number one tight end given his health, uh, you know, he's still probably going to see the field quite a bit here. Um, I've got Mayfield as a high-end QB2. Uh, certainly, as you said, not a must-start, uh, but I don't mind him here either. This offense has looked a lot more competent the last few weeks. Um, I do like both Chubb and Hunt as well, uh, and uh, I do still have Beckham over Landry. I've got Beckham as a mid-range wide receiver too, Landry as a low-end wide receiver too. Pittsburgh got an ugly win in Cincinnati, just 16-10. to uh, with Mason Rudolph bench, despite the easy matchup, tough to start most of these players with Juju out the past week. James Washington scored on a 79-yard broken play for a touchdown with just two catches otherwise. Three catches on six targets, 29 yards for Deontay Johnson. Just one catch for one yard for Vance McDonald in what should have been a much better, better day for him. And the running backs uh, getting changed up a bit with Benny Snell carrying the ball 21 times for 98 yards with a catch to just two carries and three catches for Jalen Samuels. Hopefully James Conner returns and answers all these questions, makes it much easier. But if not, I guess Benny Snell has running back two upside versus Cleveland. Uh, I don't like it, but he's definitely a better running back than Samuels, the converted tight end. Uh, we'll see if Juju can come back this week too, but I'm not um, optimistic. Yeah, we'll see. Um, he had that concussion, which he should be ready to clear protocol after two weeks, but that knee injury as well, so... As for the quarterback, uh, we'll see if Mason Rudolph or Devin Hodges gets the start this week. Who knows? But I wouldn't play either in one quarterback format, even with Miles Garrett out. Um, if Juju plays, I'd have him as a wide receiver three at best. Just don't love the matchup or don't have real, you know, really any faith in either of these quarterbacks. Um, if Juju is out again, I still prefer Deontay Johnson over James Washington as a boomer bust flex play. Uh, but really, both are dart throws, uh, more of a gut feeling than anything. Uh, they're both getting inconsistent target shares, and they're both getting drops, but also big plays. So we'll see. Um, I would expect Connor to miss another week, probably. Uh, I do have Snell as a high-end RB3 here and Samuels as a flex in PPR. Um, as you mentioned, Snell uh, got a lot more work. He got 22 touches to Samuels 5 against the Bengals. And I would expect Mike Tomlin to go with another run-heavy game plan here to hide their issues at quarterback. Really, this comes down to just no faith in either of the Pittsburgh quarterbacks, so I'm going to lean Cleveland here even without Garrett. Yeah, this was a tough one to pick. This is a, a really cruddy matchup on both ends of this. I'm going to lean, lean into uh, Mike Tomlin, who I think is a much better coach than Freddie Kitchens. This is going to be... There's going to be fights on this field, unfortunately, in retaliation for last week. I just think Tomlin's probably better at it. That's a that's a fair point. I think the other factor that comes into play a little bit for me, too, is that uh, the Steelers will be missing Pouncey, their, their center, the other guy who got suspended. Mm. Um, so that sure. just downgrades the offensive line a little bit, too. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Washington at Carolina. The Redskins got the win versus Detroit. Carolina's not a bad matchup, but 
the Washington offense is bad. And uh, the running backs are splitting carries, 10 for Geis, 10 for AP. Neither are startable for now. Terry McLaurin led the team in targets, five catches on 12 targets, 72 yards. But it's just a wide receiver three until we see Haskins progress to something better than 150 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, one fumble lost. Um, he's holding the team back right now. Yep, I would agree with McLaurin as a wide receiver three or flex here. And then both Peterson and Geis, just running back fours, a little bit of upside against the bad Panthers run defense. But Chris Thompson could be back this week as well with that from that toe injury which would only further muddle this committee. Uh, hopefully you're not relying on any of these Washington running backs. The Panthers kept it close to the Saints and should look to prove a point versus Washington. Kyle Allen has stream upside if you're desperate against the bad Washington defense. Um, looked much better this week uh, compared to two weeks ago. Josh Norman has officially been benched. Not that he's been good, but that's minus one more cornerback. Christian McCaffrey is the running back one with another 22 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown day. Added to nine catches, 69 yards, and a receiving touchdown. DJ Moore had that wide receiver one week, one week late for me, darn it. Six catches, nine targets, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. And he's a he's a wide receiver two with wide receiver one type upside again here. Olsen has, is a tight end, too, with some upside appeal. And Curtis Samuel belongs firmly on your bench with Kyle Allen there. DJ Moore is better in short and intermediate routes, leaving some of the deep stuff for Samuel when he's in play. And Kyle Allen just has no downfield accuracy with him. Sorry, Samuel hopefuls. Maybe next year. Yeah, I don't remember who it was that posted a compilation a video of the bad overthrows or underthrows from Allen to Samuel. Um, but it's yep. it's kind of sad. Uh, a lot of points being left on the field there. Um, just I mean, He's good. He's definitely a dynasty buy because I don't think Allen is the future for quarterback here. No, I mean, really the question for me is, I guess they're still in contention, which is why they've stuck with Kyle Allen. But at some point we should get to see a little bit of Will Greer if they uh, if they do get mathematically eliminated, I would think. Sure, um, but yeah, I mean, with Allen's inability to connect with Samuel right now, um, just a high end wide receiver four with little scoring upside. He has gotten some touchdowns, so um, he does get looked for in the red zone. Uh, and I, I'm sold on DJ Moore at this point. He's a wide receiver one for me uh, this week in a great matchup uh, with Josh Norman, just awful, and the rest of the Washington secondary as well. So. Um, of course, you're starting McCaffrey. He was surprisingly not the top running back scorer this past week. Uh, it was your guy, <laughs> Leonard Fournette. Um, but I would, expect, I would expect that uh, McCaffrey owners are still pretty happy with his 30-plus points. Um, sorry, go ahead. Did you have something to add? No, no, I was just trying to breathe. Oh, all right, well, uh, good luck. I hope you do. Um, Thank you. Not much else to say here. Uh, Give me Carolina. I will take Carolina, too. Tampa Bay at Jacksonville. Tampa beat uh, Atlanta. And now they get Jacksonville, which which is sort of a weird team. Um, should be a fine day for your normal uh, Tampa Bay playmakers. Winston is an upside quarterback, too. 
with another Winston day, 300 plus yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions with 38 yards rushing. Uh, This came behind seven catches, eight targets, 184 yards and two touchdowns to Chris Godwin and four of eight, just 50 yards to Mike Evans, who who we have no reason to uh, put on your bench this week versus Jacksonville. After all the hype I saw on many platforms this week, uh, Cameron Brake gave you zero catches on his one target after his 14 target week. So hopefully that puts uh, that argument firmly to bed. Uh, The backfield was again split despite Ronald Jones looking likely much tougher running back 12 carries 51 yards and a touchdown and three catches to 11 carries 32 yards uh for Peyton Barber and Jones remains a running back three play this week yeah it's really just uh Jones as a running back three or flex um and then Evans and Godwin both boomer bust uh low-end wide receiver ones here um we're seeing them trade off big games so it's uh you know it's anybody's guess as to uh, who Winston will favor from week to week, uh, but their target share was equal. So uh, it's really a tough call here. I guess it kind of just depends on um, the, the coverages each week. If I had to guess, I would think that AJ Boye um, is their best cornerback for Jacksonville. So uh, with Evans playing mostly outside, I would think Godwin is favored slightly this week. Um, but again, it's anyone's guess. Uh, and I suppose Winston is still a boomer bust quarterback too in fantasy uh, with upside, but I just want no part of Winston now or ever. <laughs> uh, the Jaguars lost the divisional match uh, against Tennessee, forty-two to twenty, and Nick Foles did nothing to show that he's much better than Gardner Minshew. Two hundred and seventy yards, no touchdowns, including uh, five of six, thirty-eight yards only to DJ Chark. Four of nine, 49 yards to Chris Conley, and a nice enough day for D.D. Westbrook. Eight of nine, 69 yards. I'm not giving up on Shark just yet uh, as a back-end wide receiver, two versus Tampa Bay. And D.D. has flex upside, too. Uh, Leonard Fournette busted open his touchdown drought with 24 yards, or 24 carries, 97 yards on the ground, and two touchdowns. And nine catches on 12 targets, 62 yards receiving. Tampa Bay is tough against running backs, so he'd be a running back too here if it wasn't for his continued pass game work. A crazy 12 targets here, but I wouldn't expect that that often, but still a back-end running back one. Yeah, I mean, basically start everybody against Tampa Bay here. Foles is a risky QB2 option, um, given Jacksonville was unable to handle Tennessee's pass rush, and we just saw Tampa Bay really maul Matt Ryan in that offensive line, so uh, they could certainly get rattled. Um, so Foles is risk-reward here, but there is upside against the secondary. Um, as you said, I'm not worried about Shark either. I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver too here. And both Chris Conley and Dede Westbrook are viable flex plays this week against the secondary. Uh, this should be a high-scoring matchup. Uh, Vegas has it tied for second-highest over-under at 49 total points scored. Um, I'm not worried wow. about Fournette either. Uh, he's pretty involved as a receiver, so he's still a back-end RB1 in PPR this week, despite uh, Tampa Bay being tough to run on. Um, this is a tough pick for me because, I don't know, this, these are two bad teams who are boomer bust, uh, very Jekyll and Hyde. Um, I would take Tampa Bay here I guess but I wouldn't be shocked if the Jaguars win I wouldn't be shocked but I think uh, I think Tampa's run defense limits the Jaguars strength in Leonard Fournette Fournette, and it's going to come down to Foles uh, late in the game to try and bring it back he's going to show that he has no Minshew magic and the fans are going to clamor for Gardner to come back uh, in a Tampa Bay win yeah I mean if, if you're if you're Tom Coughlin would you try to trade Nick Foles I mean he's got a big contract but there are a lot of quarterback needy teams I don't know uh 
I don't think you can just yet. And there, we're past the trade deadline, anyways. No, 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 I meant in the off season. Sorry. I, yeah, obviously we're past the deadline. Well, we got we we got to see what happens with the end of the year. Like if Foles does actually show that he's got something in his in his sleeve or in his uh, some in his bag of tricks or something, maybe well, maybe he's the starter. I but, think regardless, but I think we end up with before the end of the season. Yeah, I think regardless, Coughlin won't do it. I think the question is, should he? Sure, why not? But but who's going to trade for that contract with Nick Foles? I certainly wouldn't. Oh, I there, oh you, no, I know who would. You underestimate my, how many poor, poorly managed teams are out there, my friend. Yeah, Virginia McCaskey, we're, we're looking at you. No, I, I honestly think, uh, uh, I don't know how I feel about it, but I think they'll might, they might take a look at Dalton this offseason. I know that's been a popular rumor, but uh, I, I think that is a, a, a possible outcome here. Oh my god. I still have a half a show to do, man. Don't give me a migraine. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a, a great matchup here um that I wish was yep. a Sunday night or Monday night game, but it's not. It's just one of the noon games. Um San Francisco at Baltimore. Yeah, I wish they could have flexed that one, but whatever. Uh the Niners took the Packers to school to the tune of thirty seven to eight. Yep, I wrote that twice. I wanted to say it twice. They get the Ravens now, which will be tougher, but not impossible. Uh, I don't love Jimmy Garoppolo against this pass defense. Uh, just a quarterback, too, here. He had only 14 completions in the beatdown of Green Bay, also, to 22 running back carries. Uh, so they look to limit him when they can. Kittle's a fine tight end one, fighting with a broken ankle for six catches, six targets, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Debo Samuel led the receivers with just two catches, 50 yards, including a 42-yard touchdown. Manuel Sanders needs to get healthy, but I'd look elsewhere here against uh, Baltimore. Just a wide receiver three here. The running backs did their damage behind 11 carries, 39 yards and a touchdown, and two catches for Tevin Coleman. Just six carries, but 45 yards and a touchdown, and one catch for Raheem Mostert. And then two carries, 27 yards for Jeff Wilson Jr. Coleman's a running back two here, and then either Mostert or Matt Breida, if he's healthy, are flex plays. Pick two. Yeah, I uh, agree with pretty much everything you said there. I've got Debo Samuel ranked over Emmanuel Sanders, uh, given that Sanders still doesn't look 100% healthy here. Um, And then, uh, I mean, really, I don't love Jimmy Garoppolo here. Uh, You know, it's kind of apparent that he really struggles when under pressure, so I would expect some blitzes from Baltimore here. Uh, Let's move on to the Ravens. The Ravens are just smashing things right now. We're going to see how Baltimore continues to operate um, Lamar Jackson's going to be a quarterback one in San Fran, despite any defense. Ingram's going to be a running back two. Tacked on another receiving touchdown here. Mark Andrews should be a tight end one. Uh, I think Marquise Goodwin could have trouble these uh, coming two weeks. I, I was expecting a little more trouble with Jalen Ramsey tonight, but it looks like Jalen Ramsey actually mar- matched up on Mark Andrews in the midst of uh, one of uh, Marquise Goodwin's touchdowns tonight. I did not see the second touchdown. Are you uh, talking about Richard Hollywood Sherman's- Brown? What? Are you talking about Hollywood Brown? Marquise Who Brown? What did I say? You said Goodwin on San Francisco. Yeah, Marquise yeah, Brown. I figured. Yeah, Holly. I'll just say Hollywood. I'm sorry. I'm febrile. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. uh, as bad as the Rams have been tonight, it makes sense for Ramsey to line up on Andrews given how much he's targeted by Lamar Jackson. Yeah, well, when, when Hollywood hangs two touchdowns on you, you got to change your game plan. Well, I mean, I think the problem is they just don't have the personnel and, you know, the Ravens are dangerous in many ways. So what are you going to do about it? 
That's fair enough. I think Richard Sherman is going to find some sort of the answer for the San Fran defense to, uh, to, to limit Hollywood a little more than he's doing tonight. Yeah, or he'll get another unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Either way. <laughs> he's, he's happy with that. But um, I do remember questioning on last week's show why the Ravens were only favored by three points uh, tonight. <laughs> and uh, certainly I hope you took uh, the Baltimore minus three because that was easy money here. Um, and as you said, the ceiling against the Niners uh, for Jackson in this matchup is certainly a bit lower than usual. But you're not benching Lamar Jackson, all right? Unless, unless you somehow also own Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, which I highly doubt. Uh, you're going to be playing Lamar Jackson. And then... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't play Rodgers over him anyways this week. Oh, against the Giants, I would. But, uh... I, I mean, Aaron Jones, four touchdowns, clock it. Yeah, I, it wouldn't shock me. You want you want a quick little bet? Uh, I'll, I'll take Rodgers over Lamar Jackson this week. Okay, I'd do that. Okay, we'll see. Um... Yeah, but you're not either way. You're not benching either of those guys. That's that's the point here, even against the Niners defense. Um, but at the same time, I also think you're not benching the Niners defense, right? They'll still get a sack or two, maybe a fumble, uh, even against a, a guy as talented as Lamar Jackson. Thoughts? Yeah, they've been good. Mo- most of the points are not scored based on uh, for defenses based on um, points allowed in most formats. It's mostly um, you know turnovers and sacks. Yep. Um, speaking of, maybe uh, Andrews just had a fumble here. So, again, uh, certainly the Niners are still viable as a fantasy defense, depending on your options. Um, Good for you. Yeah. Not not a whole lot to say here. Uh, you're playing Andrews as a tight end one, and Hollywood Brown uh, as a pretty decent flex option with upside, uh, even against Sherman. Um, you know, once Lamar Jackson uh, is out of the pocket, uh, everyone's fair game. Um, there's not a whole lot to, of room to run on San Francisco. Uh, even though this offensive line is playing really well, they're dominating the Rams tonight. But uh, I'd probably avoid Ingram as nothing more than just a flex play. I think he'll need a touchdown to be productive um, in this coming matchup here. And much like uh, I talked about New England versus Baltimore a few weeks ago, uh, this should be a really fun game to watch. I, uh, as we said, uh, I wish this were flexed to the Sunday night or Monday night game uh but really, uh, I think this is going to come down to like one fumble or dropped pass that could decide this matchup. Uh, this could even be a Super Bowl preview. But I, how do you how do you bet against Lamar Jackson right now? I'm going to take the home team in this. Uh, give me Baltimore. Yeah, I don't have as much confidence in San Fran as you. I think Baltimore takes it by double digits. Uh I think it'll be closer than that, but I could. I know it, it wouldn't. It, would, <laughs> it wouldn't shock me either if Baltimore ran away with this one. But uh, I think either way, we agree, Baltimore. There we go. Sunday afternoon, L.A. Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, wait, Los, quick uh, question. The Ram- Sorry, going back what? real quick though. Um, in, Please. In the event that the Niners win this game, are they the Super Bowl favorites? No. No, because they can't beat Baltimore twice. Not a chance. Okay. All right. All right. Let's move on. All right. Sunday afternoon, LA Rams at Arizona. Tonight, the Rams get Baltimore, and I expect a down game for the offense here for LA. Uh, Arizona is a prime matchup for them, though. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, tonight, I mean, which has happened. 
Arizona's a prime ma- prime matchup for them, though. Uh, if fully healthy, Brandon Cooks should come back to wide receiver two status. Cooks should be a back end wide receiver one in this matchup versus Arizona. Uh, Gerald Everett get that gets that coveted premier tight end matchup play, and Robert Woods will sneak into flex consideration in a good matchup. He's already been uh, spotted on the field, doing okay out there. Um, I guess some sort of family issue kept him away, which God bless him. I hope everything's good with him and his family. Uh, and uh, get get back on the field because you're on my team, man. I need you. <laughs> uh, Gurley's a back end running back one in Arizona as well. Yeah, uh, really not much to add here. Goff's been pretty awful, uh, but he's in that high-end QB2 conversation against Arizona. Goffle. <laughs> yeah, that should be a new term. Hashtag Goffle. <laughs> Um, that's, that's really all I got to add. Uh, let's talk about the Cardinals. All right. The cards get that. Okay. Rams matchup. Um, Ramsey should not follow Christian Kirk inside if Kirk stays there, but he has run more outside routes lately with a few less, a uh, few fewer four uh, wide, wide out sets. He's a flex consideration for sure though, as the best wide receiver on this team right now. Larry's a flex option, but the, there's not much upside left from there. Uh, hopefully coaching will lay out the running back situation for us this week, but it looks like Drake's going to be the lead back for now as an upside running back three for me. Uh, the best play is really quarterback Kyler Murray, who should have a quarterback one floor between his arm and his leg usage. Yeah, again, uh, stealing my thunder on both sides of this matchup preview here. Not a whole lot to <laughs> add. I think you hit the main points on Arizona. Um, a couple things to add. Chase Edmonds is expected to be back from that hamstring injury, so we'll see how the running back touches shake out with all three active. Um, and then if you're desperate, Andy Isabella has shown that Mikkel Hardman type of long touchdown upside, even if he only gets two or three targets. And as you said, if Ramsey does uh, follow Kirk around, then Isabella could be in play a little bit as a desperation wide receiver five here. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams here. Y- you know what? No, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Cardinals. The Rams look awful tonight. I, I I changed my mind as we were talking just now. All right, uh, chalk one up for the Los because I will stick with LA as the victor. The L.A. Chargers at the Denver uh, Broncos. The Chargers got the bye week to prep for this divi- <clears throat> Wow, <clears throat> divisional Denver defense. I'm more worried about Rivers right now than uh, the Denver defense, though. The combination could get really ugly for L.A. Um, with Rivers looking as bad as I've ever seen him play the past couple weeks. Gordon should be a running back one here. They should lean heavily into him with Eckler not far behind him as a PPR running back, too. Hunter Henry's a tight end one with the target upside. And the wide receivers have been super frustrating. Chris Harris should try to take out Keenan Allen, limiting him to a target-based wide receiver, too, with significant downside here, I think, uh, which may open things up for Mike Williams, who's due for a big day to come sooner or later. He's a flex play here. Uh, he most certainly is not. I agree with most of what you said, Whoa. but uh, just zero faith in Mike Williams. Uh, he's been due for a big day for weeks and weeks and weeks, and... It seems like Rivers just throws like one or two desperation passes to him per game, so he's probably going to have a highlight reel catch for 40 yards and double coverage, but not much else. Uh, I've got Williams at best as a wide receiver four. Um, That's all I got to add on the Chargers here. I'll take eight points on Mike Williams. I mean, I I guess seven or eight points, but uh, eh, meh. What do you want, ten? Yeah, I mean, he's... I'll take 10. Well, 
I I guess I'm just mad at at the potential because he could. <laughs> well, I mean, you're bitter. And yeah, I am. I'm very bitter because if you think yeah, about it, he could be it. producing like how DK Metcalf is producing if he had a real quarterback. I get it. I get it. But the yardage has to go somewhere, and I just think Keenan Allen is is in a tough tough spot. <clears throat> yeah, I, that's why I like Hunter Henry a lot, not Mike Williams. <laughs> Ooh, you're right there. You sound like you're dying. Denver was held to three points by the tough <laughs> Buffalo defense. They get a Chargers team that is typically strong against the pass game, too. Uh, Cortland Sutton was held to just one catch, eight targets uh, for one catch, 27 yards only, but still led the team in targets. While Brandon Allen threw for only 82 yards, so he had a big chunk of Brandon Allen's available yardage. The targets keep him in back-end wide receiver two territory for me. Call me nuts. Uh, I'm a believer in the kid. Uh, I'm off of everybody else, though, except Philip Lindsay, who it looks like he has taken the running back job with 13 carries, 57 yards, still just one catch, uh, compared to just four total touches for Royce Freeman. But he's just an upside running back three regardless. Noah Fant was the number two on the team in targets with five. But again, I think there's better options out there with the buys all done. Better better tight ends there, Ryan Griffin, guys like that. Uh, if Drew Locke starts, all bets are off. Yeah, the quarterback situation is definitely something to monitor here. But uh, you know, my gut feeling here is that Denver would likely give Brandon Allen at least one more start, if only to ease Drew Locke back into things, uh, give him some time, get a few first-team reps before just throwing him into the grinder. Um, so I'm going to assume Allen gets the start for at least this week, in which case I still have Sutton as a high-end wide receiver three. Um, as you said, Lindsay's clearly become more and more the starter the last couple weeks. I've got him as a high-end running back three against the Chargers defense that's allowing the six most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Of course, Royce Freeman is still involved, and he could steal a goal line touchdown, so I've got him as a running back four who is very touchdown dependent given his limited touches. And as you said, while Noah Fant continues to be the second most targeted pass catcher behind Cortland Sutton, this is another poor matchup for tight ends, much like Buffalo was this past week, and I would agree to avoid Fant again. The Chargers are getting healthier on defense, so I guess I'll take them, but just not much faith in them as a team overall at this point. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers as well, mostly for that same reason. Uh, the defense should be able to get to Brandon Allen here. Oakland at Kansas City. The Raiders were embarrassed by the Jets. Derek Carr was benched down 31 points, but I think it was just a lot more preservation of Derek Carr rather than a changing of a guard or anything. He's still the quarterback. Uh, he gets what many call that juicy Chiefs matchup, but in reality, Chiefs are more stingy at home and fewer points are scored at, uh, at Arrowhead. He's playable, but just a quarterback too here, especially with, when the recipe to win is through Josh Jacobs' legs on the ground, who should bounce back as an upside running back to teeter into that running back one uh, type of situation. They have trouble, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs do, with the tight end too. So Darren Waller is back in tight end one consideration here, of course. He's sort of been a letdown compared to his opening of the season, but still been in that tight end one uh, situation. Uh, um, tight end one conversation. The rest of the uh, guys on the team are risky plays at best. To run pros kind of miss some time with a with a popped lung, uh, which should I guess put some of the value back in Tyrell Williams' hands. But sometimes he gets a little too tricky out there running three tight ends and stuff like that. So that that would be the next one. Yeah, quick game break here. I think the most the most um, 
the most fitting play so far of this game is that the Ravens finally had to punt and the Rams have a 12 men on the field penalty and now the Ravens offense is back. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh. So that, that about sums up this game tonight. Um, as for the Raiders here, uh, I, I still like Tyrell Williams as a low-end flex uh, with Renfro out for a while with that rib and punctured lung. I, I do think that Williams could see more targets again. And I also think that uh, Darren Waller could see more targets uh, given how high his target volume was before Renfro emerged. <laughs> um, I think this is this is good if you're a Waller owner here. And then Josh Jacobs remains that boomer bust running back two. He should find success against a pretty soft Chiefs run defense, but Jacobs just isn't getting much passing game work, uh, very similar to Joe Mixon. So if Kansas City builds a lead on them uh, like the Jets did, we could see get, excuse me, we could see Jacobs game scripted out again in the second half of this game. So there he's a risk reward play depending on if he can get some big runs and maybe a touchdown early on in this game. Agreed there. Uh, the Chiefs got the week off to prep for Oakland, who seems like they're always on the road for Oakland. Uh, n- nothing scary here for Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill, as long as Hill heals up. Uh, maybe this week we'll get some clarity at running back in reports uh, in the week, but I, I really doubt it with Andy Reid. My gut says Damian Williams is running back two versus Oakland, and McCoy is a flex in what should what could be a return to split duty with all the trouble they've both had as, as the quote-unquote workhorse or lead back. Right. They've both struggled. Uh, McCoy got benched after that fumble, but then Damian Williams fumbled right right back. So now uh, I do think if both are healthy, it's going to be a split backfield. But it's also going to depend on Damian Williams' rib injury that he suffered Monday night against the Chargers uh, two weeks ago. We're going to see how much uh, and if he practices this week. Uh, If Damian Williams plays, I'd have McCoy as a high-end RB3, assuming that The Chiefs are going to lead in the second half here, so leading to more rushes for McCoy. And I would have Damian Williams, a flex in PPR. And if he is out, uh, Damian Williams, that is, I would have Daryl Williams as a PPR flex instead. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, you're starting Mahomes and Kelsey. And then the other injury to monitor, of course, is Tyreek Hill. The current expectation is that he's ready to go despite that hamstring injury last Monday night, but Definitely something to keep monitoring throughout the week. Uh, with Oakland giving up a lot of big plays, Michael Hardman's a boomer bust flex play, but regardless of Hill's status, although Hardman's floor would certainly be much higher in PPR in the unlikely event that Hill is held out this week. But again, Hill is expected to play uh, per the early reports. Although part of me wishes that they would hold him out for another week. We saw Adam Thielen try to rush back from his hamstring injury, and he ended up Uh, tweaking it and needing another three or four weeks to get back from the re-injury. We'll see. Hopefully uh, Hill will be a little bit healthier after the bye, uh, as with Mahomes, who had those knee and ankle injuries earlier this season. But as long as Mahomes is playing, uh, I'm betting on Kansas City. Give me the Chiefs. Sunday night football, New England at Houston. Patriots showed us what I alluded to last week with a 13-9 win over Dallas. They leaned into their defense, ran the clock out with the run game and the short passes. 
they were able to do this behind 20 carries and 85 yards for Michelle. Uh, nine catches on 12 targets, 93 yards for Julian Edelman. The touchdown in the game was a 10-yarder for Nikhil Harry. Other than that, Jacoby Myers caught four of nine for 74 yards as, t- uh, as t- uh, TB12 was held under 200 yards passing. They get Houston, who is not great against the run, so I expect a similar game plan. Uh, though Michelle was just a running back three at best with that line, Went also went just two carries, five yards with just one catch. Very rare for uh, for James White. Burkhead was two carries for just three yards with two catches, and Brandon Boland had one 11-yard carry. Uh, this team is in a void if you need upside to push yourself into the playoffs this week. Brady's just a quarterback, too. I'm actually going to disagree uh, with this. I actually quite like Brady this week, given the matchup in a dome against this bad Texan secondary. Um, certainly they had a run-heavy game approach against the Cowboys, but part of that was the rainstorm as well. Uh, the return of left tackle Isaiah Wynn is a big boost to New England's offensive line, and Houston's defense is really struggling with J.J. Watt done for the year, both in run defense and getting a pass rush. So I do like Brady with some upside here, and I like Michelle's well as a low-end RB2 with upside. Uh, I've got James White as a flex, Edelman as a low-end wide receiver one, and it does sound like Philip Dorsett should be back this week from his concussion two weeks ago. Um, but Mohamed Sanu may need another week with that high ankle sprain. Assuming Dorsett plays and Sanu is out again, I do like Dorsett as a low-end boomer bust flex with a shot at a touchdown here. Um, while Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers both contributed in that win against the Cowboys, I do still think it's mainly going to be Edelman and Dorsett when both of those guys are healthy. Ben Watson gets a little bit more involved as well, and Brady barely missed him on a seam pass that could have gone for a touchdown against Dallas, but Watson's still just a watch list guy for now until we see more targets that materialize into production here. Um, If you're desperate, Nikhil Harry in deeper leagues, I've got as a wide receiver five with some touchdown upside. Uh, Maybe Brady trusts him a little bit more in the red zone after converting his first touchdown of his career. The Texans get that tough pull Sunday night, taking the pats at home. Uh, and as usual, it's fade on all players. Watson will be pressured, but should rush enough to return quarterback one value. Hopkins is a back-end wide receiver one who's likely going to put up back-end wide receiver two-type numbers against the secondary, who continues to shut down top options. We just saw Mari Cooper held his zero catches this week. This could mean value for Will Fuller, who went 7 of 11 on 140 yards this past week while Hopkins scored his two touchdowns, but he is too risky for me at this point in the season, unless you absolutely need a high-variance player to make it into the playoffs with a win this week. The running backs are typically RB3 plays, and against New England, they're very low-level plays, who I'd likely bet across the board i uh, definitely prefer the upside of fuller or maybe even kevin kenny stills compared to the running backs as we just saw randall cobb have a solid day as the number four pass option for dallas uh, for some reason darren fells had another week of one catch just very weird how consistent that is but certainly not playing it yeah i downgrade all the texans here watson i've got outside my top 12 top 12 ugh, i can't talk my outside of my top 12 quarterbacks this week so a high end QB two. Um, we've seen the Patriots shut down basically every single quarterback except Lamar Jackson this year I just don't see much upside um, I'd rather stream Tannehill Darnold and others over Watson this week and I've got Hopkins as a low end wide receiver too against Stephon Gilmore um, Hopkins is better against press coverage than Cooper and he makes those incredible contested toe drag catches 
but just not a lot of upside here. Um, I think he'll have a decent floor. He is still going to get targets. But I do think that, again, this could mean more targets for the secondary options. As you said, uh, Will Fuller and Kenny Stills and Kiki QT. I'm just not sure that any of them are going to be able to capitalize a ton uh, with New England's other corners still very good. Um, Fuller is certainly the best option here, but even so, just a low-end flex. Uh, I would avoid both running backs as well. As you said, I've got both Hyde and Duke as running back fours who are going to be very touchdown dependent to return any sort of value here. Avoid, avoid, avoid everybody on Houston if possible this week. Um, I think that the Patriots passing game is going to get a little bit back on track this week against Houston, uh, but the defense will still get them the win even if not. I will pick, uh, yeah, New England regardless. Uh, Monday Night Football, Minnesota at Seattle. <clears throat> the Vikings got the bye week plus the extra extra day in the weekend to prep for Seattle. Hopefully that gives Thielen uh, extra time to get ready for what should be a good game here. Cousins is a quarterback, too, with upside of the matchup, but the downside of the bright lights of Monday Night Football. I'd probably avoid him for only that reason, as much as I don't want to admit it. Cook's a running back one, of course. Diggs should be a wide receiver, too, unless he disappears again. And we'll see about Thielen. If he's healthy, no reason to sit him. Yeah, I like Cousins here as a low-end QB1, Thielen a low-end wide receiver one. Uh, he is expected to be back this week. Diggs a mid-range wide receiver two, and of course you're starting Dalvin Cook. Kyle Rudolph, uh, I've got as a risk-reward high-end tight end two this week. The target share that he's had the last three games while Thielen has been out is probably going to come down a little bit. But Seattle is still a good matchup, giving up the ninth most fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends this year, so... I could still see a decent day for Rudolph here, perhaps a touchdown for the fourth week in a row. As for the home team side of the field, Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, they got the win, but it came with some offensive difficulty. Just 200 yards, one touchdown, one interception for, oh boy, for Russell Wilson, who will be fighting against Minnesota, but just 13 completions, one for 38 yards to Tyler Lockett, three for 35 yards on six targets to DK Metcalf, who dropped what could have been a touchdown, one catch 33 yards and a touchdown for Malik Turner, whose name we haven't said this year, one catch 31 yards for David Moore, and one catch 10 yards for Josh Gordon. So that was just to illustrate how much this ball's getting spread around with how much, how, how small the, uh, how low the passing volume is. So these sort of weeks are going to happen with a low passing volume offense. But I do expect a bounce back versus these these middling to below average Minnesota corners with another week for Lockett to heal. This he should be a solid wide receiver too with upside day for him. And I like Metcalf a, as a flex play with touchdown upside here. Josh Gordon hasn't looked right. Could be his ankle. I'd hold on to him for another week. The running backs <clears throat> hold on. Not professional, I apologize. The running backs have their own struggles. Two fumbles for Chris Carson, and this may be the last straw for him. I don't know. I'd be concerned if he was my top NC back right now. Just eight catch, uh, eight carries, 26 yards, and four catches, and the ball was turned into the hands of Rashad Penny for 14 carries, 129 yards, and the touchdown, who really made the most of his opportunities. Call Pete Carroll what you will, but I don't think he's going to lie about this situation. If he says this week that they're going to lean on Chris Carson, I would still hang on to it and use him as a running back, too. If not, and he sort of backs off of him, Penny has flex value upside, I think, regardless this week uh, with more if he gets the nod. 
Somehow I, I rattled off every player out there except Will Disley's replacement, Jacob Hollister. He had a similarly down week, just two catches, four targets, 22 yards. Remains a tight end, two with upside. Uh, really more th- for the wide receivers this week, though, against that, those Minnesota corners. Right, and this should be a high-scoring affair on both sides. Uh, both the Minnesota and Seattle defenses have really been more name value than actual defensive uh, stops this year. Um, I like Wilson as a mid-range QB1 here, and despite that poor showing by Tyler Lockett against Philadelphia, I'm going to chalk that up to him not being fully healthy post by. I'm still putting Lockett in as a mid-range wide receiver too, like you said. Um, I agree with you also on Metcalf as a flex play with touchdown upside here. The Vikings corners have really struggled this year, and Xavier Rhodes looks like a shadow of his former self. Um, As you said, there's a lot of uncertainty here with the running back situation. Uh, It's possible that Pete Carroll has finally reached his limit with Chris Carson, but until we see more, uh, who knows? Um, You know, we we saw that Rashad Penny had a big game or two late in the season last year, but Seattle went right back to Carson. However, if Penny does claim the starting job this week, um, even though he'd be just a flex play against the tough Minnesota run defense this week, um, I do think he's still the waiver wire priority at running back, given that Seattle's matchups in the fantasy playoffs weeks 15 and 16 are against Carolina and Arizona, both pretty bad run defenses that are very exploitable. So, Penny, just on the off chance that he could be a league winner, is worth picking up this year uh, if you have the bench spot and have questions at running back. This feels like one of those back-and-forth games where Russell Wilson's going to pull some crazy play out for a third-down conversion with like a minute left, <laughs> set up a game-winning field goal. So I will take the home team Seahawks. I will take the Seahawks as well. Uh, there are no teams on the bye. We have reached the point in the season where there are no bye weeks anymore. Well, I don't know. The Rams are on a bye right now, right? Oof. I th- yeah, they stayed in L.A. Didn't- oh, wait. <laughs> they are at home. Oof, that's even worse. Yeah, but 42 points, they might as well just... Ugh. I mean, at what point does yeah. the mercy rule come into Pack effect? Pack it up and go to bed. I think we're about to see some uh, Robert Griffin III and Gus Edwards. I think you are... Yeah. I'd like to see some Justice Hill. Let, let's see what the rookie can do heading in the playoffs. Why not? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, hopefully we don't see too much Cooper Cup. I I think you've handily won our matchup this week. I'm not. I wouldn't be too worried if I were you. You've got 14 minutes. All you need is two crazy runs and two touchdowns. Yeah, but they're not pulling the starting defense, just the offense. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. We'll see. Big game this week, but you know we won't talk about that. Well, I mean, we can talk about it. You're still in contention for a first-round buy if uh, a few things go right for you. Yes, sir. It looks like uh, some things are shaking well, but somehow I, somehow the commissioner – somehow I ended up with the most difficult strength of schedule, playing the number one and number two seed twice. And, uh, of course, that's how I end my season, playing the one seed, you, and then playing the two seed. Well, uh, blame uh, blame Yahoo because it was randomized. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to blame you, who, Mung. I see what you did there. Um uh-huh. <laughs> well, as long as you don't blame Young Ho Koo, uh, because he is blameless in this. He he actually he he could have been an uh, element of my downfall, but that was a great call by you. He's doing he's doing awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan. Um, but let's move on to the injuries here. Uh starting with the All quarterbacks, right. we've got Carson Wentz uh with a hand injury on his throwing hand, questionable. 
The x-rays came back negative, but there is still risk of tiny fractures that are not visible on x-rays, so we'll wait for their updates. Um, or it could be some kind of sprain, so just keep an eye on Wilson, or excuse me, not Wilson, Wentz this week. Uh, it will come down to whether or not he can grip the ball well enough to play. Matthew Stafford with those spine fractures, he's questionable but not likely to play this week. Uh, we, re we really just don't know a timetable with Stafford at this point. There are reports that he might go on injured reserve, but others saying that he's pushing to return as soon as he's ready. So keep starting whatever backup quarterback you've been rolling out or use one of our recommended streaming options at quarterback. Stafford is probably droppable in one quarterback formats. And then Jeff Driscoll with the hamstring injury, he's questionable as well. So Detroit could be down to the third string quarterback, David, David Blach, this week, which would be, uh, <laughs> as I said earlier, I, I really don't know how to pronounce his name, but it would be very Blach for all the Detroit players in fantasy. Uh, consider other options just in case Driscoll is indeed out this week. As for our running backs, Damien Williams with his rib injuries, questionable white right now. But the bye came at a good time for him uh, with multiple players nicked up. If his ribs were just bruised, he, he should be able to return this week. Um, if it was a bit more serious, like a crack or a fracture or something, he could be out this week or even after their bye. Monitors practice that as closely. Um, LaShawn McCoy and Darrell Williams could be worth starting if Damien Williams misses the game james connor with the shoulder sprain questionable pittsburgh hopefully learned from their mistake a few weeks ago and won't rush connor back again monitor his practice participation but i think he's likely out again and until it gets at least one or two full practices in benny snell jr and jalen samuels will be the lead pittsburgh backfield rushers until connor returns Devonte freeman with the toe and foot questionable uh, there aren't a ton of details on him. I, I think they still haven't actually come out and said what happened to him. But the general reports were that the injuries weren't serious, so he could return this week, monitor his status. Marlon Mack with a hand fracture and surgery. He's questionable but not likely to be back this week. Um, monitor his return to practice, though the indie backfield could be turning into more of a committee even when he does return with Williams and Naeem Hines playing very well. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, sorry, Jordan Howard. With the shoulder stinger questionable, stinger injuries can last anywhere from two to four weeks or more. He could return this week, but we'll need to see him get in at least a few practices. Monitor his participation this week with that uh, Miami matchup. Matt Burita with the ankle sprain. He played through multiple ankle sprains last year, but we'll see if San Fran holds him out another week. Even if healthy, he remains in a committee with Tevin Coleman, Raheem Ostert, and Jeff Wilson Jr. Chase Edmonds with the hamstring questionable, but expected to play this week. We'll see if he's able to return with David Johnson still not looking 100% healthy. There could be some opportunity for Edmonds to produce in deeper leagues as the 1B to Kenyon Drake. And then Chris Thompson with the toe injury, questionable to return. <clears throat> he seems close to coming back, but his return's only going to make things even worse for Washington's committee, uh, not really gain himself any value. More of a running back for flex at best, given how bad the offense is and the, and the remaining touches for Adrian Peterson and the emergence, if you want to call it that, of Darius Geis. Yep, and then at wide receiver, we've got Tyree Kill with the hamstring injury. He's questionable but is expected to play. The Chiefs had their bye this past week, and the MRI results were very positive. However, it could be wise for the Chiefs to let Hill get back to 100%, as we saw that Adam Thielen re-injured his hamstring uh, after returning after just a couple, uh, excuse me, after just a couple of weeks, uh, you can't bench Hill in fantasy as long as he's active, but hopefully he won't suffer any setbacks in game against Oakland. And then speaking of Adam Thielen, he had the hamstring injury. He's questionable, but also likely to play this week. 
Hopefully that bye week for Minnesota gave Thielen enough time to get back to 100%. Check back in on his status this week, but he is expected to return. T.Y. Hilton with the calf strain. He's going to play. He already played on Thursday night against Houston, but Hilton really just looked ineffective, was barely targeted. While he's going to be uh, you know, on the field, uh, a few full practices would certainly help fantasy owners start him more confidently. Golden Tate with the concussion, he's questionable. As always, players go through the concussion protocol at their own pace, depending on their symptoms or lack thereof. Monitor Tate's practice status this week. If he's out, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton could see more targets, and Evan Ingram could as well if he's back. Juju Smith-Schuster with both the concussion and the knee injury, he's questionable. We'll see with Juju. Uh, the concussion isn't a big concern with two weeks now to get through the protocol, but his return is going to depend on whether that bruised knee is sufficiently healed. With a potential change at quarterback as well in Pittsburgh, Juju is far from a safe start in fantasy even if he's active. Julio Jones with a shoulder sprain, questionable. He was able to return in the second half against Tampa Bay, but the shoulder injury could limit him or even keep him out for a week or two. There's really no reason for Atlanta to risk one of their franchise players in a lost season. So on the short week, uh, we'll see if he practices and if he's active. Um, if he pushes to play and is active, then you know still be cautious starting him. Jones's usage could be limited, and the risk of re-injury is fairly high. Cortland Sutton with the ankle injury, he's questionable. The reports out of Denver are that it was a minor sprain, so Sutton is expected to play this week, but. It's worth monitoring this week uh, if you've been relying on him as your wide receiver three or even wide receiver two. Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey. Aguilar with the knee injury and Jeffrey with the ankle. Uh, Jeffrey has missed uh, two games now against New England and Seattle, so monitor his practice status this week. And then Aguilar injured his knee against New England, but uh, he could return this week. Uh, they could both return this week with Jordan Matthews being released today. Uh, and both would have fantasy upside against Miami. So watch their practice statuses along with Carson Wentz's. Philip Dorsett with the concussion is questionable, but likely return with two weeks to have gone through concussion protocol now. Um, and then Mohamed Sanu with a high ankle sprain is questionable as well for New England. Uh, there have been reports that his could be a multi-week recovery, though, as the Patriots want Sanu healthy for the playoffs. So monitor both of their practice statuses. As of right now, Dorsett is expected to return, and Sanu is still doubtful. Hunter Renfro with the broken rib and the punctured lung. Uh, he's probably out this week and most likely for longer than that, um, at least through the fantasy playoffs. So he's probably droppable in all redraft formats. This probably hurts Derek Carr's value with his safety blanket gone, but could increase the value of Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller. A.J. Green still recovering from that ankle injury. He's questionable. Um, the, the ankle is still swelling, supposedly, when he returns to practice. He'll likely need a full week of practices to return to play, but would you really trust starting him in the fantasy playoffs anyway outside of deep leagues? He's only worth rostering in deeper 14, 16-plus team formats. And that'll take us into tight end. Austin Hooper with that MCL sprain, still questionable. His original timetable to return was about a month, which would put him on track to return in the next week or so. So monitor practice participation as Atlanta could usually uh, could really use him in crucial in a crucial divisional showdown versus New Orleans. Uh, Evan Ingram with the foot sprain. He began practicing last week, but it was not enough for to suit up versus Chicago. Uh, monitors practice participation this week, though the Giants' offense has not been great in general lately. 
has not been great in general lately. Delaney Walker with the ankle. Uh, he's been out for weeks with John Smith playing okay in his absence and Tannehill not locking in on his tight ends like Mariota did. Walker's probably just a tight end too, even when he returns. Still, given the poor state of tight ends right now, if you need help, keep an eye on him. David Njoku with the wrist. He was close to returning from the IR last week, but Cleveland chose to give him more time to fully heal. Monitor his participation this week as he could be worth a look in deep performance with formats with Cleveland's offense improving over the past few weeks. And then Eric Ebron with both ankle injuries. He's droppable in all redraft formats. He's out on the IR. He's having surgery on two ankles. And last I checked, we only have two. Zach Doyle could be interesting if he gets a bigger role on this offense with Ebron out. And moving on to our waiver wire section, starting off with the quarterbacks, we've got Sam Darnold, 18% owned in ESPN formats, 39% owned in Yahoo. Darnold has thrived against poor defenses, now having averaged 25 fantasy points per game over his last three weeks against the Giants, Washington, and Oakland. Darnold gets another great matchup this week against the Bengals defense that is allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Ryan Tannehill, 15% owned in ESPN, 26% in Yahoo. In his five starts since Mariota's benching, Tannehill has completed 71% of his passes for nearly 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, and three interceptions. And he's also rushed for 119 yards and three touchdowns over that span. He's the fantasy QB2 since winning the starting job in Tennessee, and he's a low-end quarterback one this week despite a tough matchup at Indianapolis. Nick Foles, 22% owned in ESPN, 33% in Yahoo. He hasn't been great since returning from the clavicle injury, and there's definitely risk of a Jekyll and Hyde show uh, against this Tampa Bay defense that's inconsistent from week to week. However, the Buccaneers have given up the second most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this year, so there's a chance that this turns into a shootout with Jacksonville's defense struggling as well. All right, running backs, bear with me. This is important. Rashad Penny, 29% ESPN, 19 in Yahoo. Chris Carson has now fumbled seven times in 11 games this year. Pete Carroll's patience seems to be wearing a bit thin. Penny finished the game versus Philly with 14 carries to Carson's eight as a result, including a big 58-yard touchdown scamper. The Vikings this week and the Rams in Week 14 are not great matchups, but Penny could be a running back, too, if he's won the starting job, and he gets great matchups versus Carolina and Arizona in Weeks 15 and 16. LaShawn McCoy, 58 and 51, and Daryl Williams, 5% Yahoo, 6 in ESPN. No, flip that. Damian Williams has a chance to uh, take the starting job after McCoy's Week 9 fumble, but Williams had a fumble of his own, Damian Williams, leading McCoy to play again versus the Chargers. McCoy looks to be the better runner, and Damian Williams has had a rib injury versus the Chargers as well. If Damian misses time, McCoy is likely the primary rusher with Daryl Williams mixing in as the receiving back a bit. Both are running back threes with upside versus a bad Oakland defense this week if Damian is out. Benny Snell Jr., 4% ESPN, 5% Yahoo. With James Conner out with a shoulder injury, Snell got the most touches in the Pittsburgh backfield, not Jalen Samuels. If Conner's out again this week, Snell is in play as a running back three option versus a susceptible Cleveland run defense. Jonathan Williams, 29% ESPN, 63 Yahoo. Naeem Hines, 35 in ESPN, 30 in Yahoo. Despite reports that Jordan Wilkins would be more involved, Jonathan Williams was the workhorse on the ground versus Houston, logging 26 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. 
Williams should be a viable running back to start again this week for a Tennessee defense that just gave up 97 yards and two touchdowns to Leonard Fournette on the ground. Hines is in play as a flex as well in PPR formats, given his involvement on the ground and as a receiver. Bo Scarborough, 48% in ESPN, 43% owned in Yahoo. Scarborough got the start yet again versus Washington. Despite the loss, he looked good as a runner with 18 carries for 98 yards, much of them coming after contact. He's a running back three with upside versus a struggling Chicago run defense this week on Thanksgiving. Raheem Mostert, 15% in ESPN, 13 in Yahoo, and Jeff Wilson Jr., 1% and 1%. If Matt Breida is out again with his ankle injury, both Mostert and Wilson Jr. are boomer bust wide running back fours. Coleman remains a starter, but San Fran continues to utilize a committee backfield. With Janahan scheming great blocks, both Mostert and Wilson Jr. have touchdown upside even versus a tough Baltimore run defense. And then there are handcuffs to consider rostering preemptively for the fantasy playoffs. You know I'm all about this. You know Mung's all about this. I've already made my moves. Tony Pollard for, for Dallas. Alexander Madison for Minnesota. Latavius Murray for New Orleans. Malcolm Brown for the Rams. Giovanni Bernard for the Bengals. Rex Burkhead for the Patriots. These are just guys that you need to shore up your team just in the chance that somebody goes down big time. Um, you, you don't want to be caught without Zeke for your playoffs. And Tony Pollard has shown that he can carry the workload if he's asked to. Yep, and of course all of these guys are situationally dependent. Uh, obviously, if you need to win Week 13 to even make it to the playoffs, uh, you know, you, use your waivers on a guy who's going to help you this week. All right, uh, at wide receiver, uh, we're starting with, uh, unfortunately, Robbie Anderson, who I hate. Uh, 45% owned in ESPN, 53% Yahoo. Anderson's now scored a touchdown in each of the last two games after having done pretty much nothing since Week 6. He has huge upside against this poor Cincinnati defense, but he could also disappear again. He's a boomer bust wide receiver three option with a low floor but high ceiling. Similarly, Mikkel Hardman, 17% owned in ESPN, 27% Yahoo. The targets haven't been there for Hardman, but we've seen that he only needs one or two catches to be fantasy relevant given his speed. Hardman is a threat to take it to the house on any reception and remains in play as a boomer bust flex option with Mahomes, especially if Tyreek Hill misses time or is limited with a hamstring injury. Either way, this Oakland defense has given up tons of big plays this year. Chris Conley and D.D. Westbrook. Conley is 18% owned in ESPN, 15% in Yahoo, and Westbrook 59% in ESPN and 62 in Yahoo. Since Foles' return, Conley has averaged 9 targets per game over the last two weeks, and Westbrook has averaged 8 targets per game over the same span. Both are in play as flex options this week against a Buccaneers secondary that allows the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Randall Cobb, 42% owned in ESPN, 30% Yahoo. The Bills are a tough passing game matchup, but Cobb has been very productive over the last three weeks, especially when opposing defenses shut down Amari Cooper and forced Dak Prescott to find his other wide receivers. Expect Buffalo to shadow Cooper with Tredavious White once again, allowing Prescott to target Cobb more often this week. He's a flex play with upside. Philip Dorsett, 20% owned in ESPN, 26% in Yahoo. Assuming Dorsett returns this week from the concussion, he'll face a Texans defense, giving up the eighth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. With Mohamed Sanu possibly out again, Dorsett could step back into the number two pass-catching role behind Julian Edelman in this great matchup. Alan Lazard, 2% owned in ESPN, 5% in Yahoo. 
Lazard has become the number two wide receiver on this Green Bay offense behind Devontae Adams. While that hasn't translated to fantasy production just yet, it very well could this week against the Giants defense that's allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Green Bay should rebound at home after an awful showing against San Francisco. Russell Gage, 4% owned in ESPN, 7% in Yahoo. With Julio Jones in and out of the game against Tampa Bay with the shoulder injury, Gage stepped up with 8 catches for 76 yards on 10 targets. The Saints are a tougher matchup, but if Jones is out or limited with that shoulder, Gage is a volume-based wide receiver 4 with flex upside. Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel. Miller is 10% owned in ESPN, 12% in Yahoo, and Gabriel is 10% owned in ESPN and 11% in Yahoo. Both Miller and Gabriel are splitting targets behind Allen Robinson, but both are viable flex plays this week. Darius Slay is likely to shadow Allen Robinson and force Mitch Trubisky to go to his other wide receivers, and the Lions are giving up the 10th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And that leaves us with a a few options at tight end. Ryan Griffin, 22% owned in ESPN, 44 in Yahoo. Another week. Another touchdown for Ryan Griffin. We recommended picking him up last week and given his usage, especially in the red zone. Griffin's a borderline every week, tight end one right now, since he's a tougher matchup for tight ends than Oakland, as odd as that sounds. But they're hardly intimidating enough to bench Griffin fantasy. Jack Doyle, 44 in ESPN, 33 in Yahoo, and Mo Alley-Cox, unowned. With the Ebron on the IR, Doyle's role could expand a bit, giving him decent floor and ceiling in PPR leagues, especially with Indy's injuries and lack of talent at wide receiver. Mo Alley-Cox is a Huge basketball convert. Doesn't see much playing time with Ebron out there, but he's six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds. He's a playmaker who could have some fantasy relevance in deeper leagues. A percent targets him like he did Ebron up the seam and in the red zone. <clears throat> Kyle Rudolph, forty percent in ESPN, forty seven in Yahoo. Rudolph's a risky play with Adam Thielen expected back. His target share may drop again. However, he's been Cousins' primary red zone target during Thielen's absence with four touchdowns in the last three games. Rudolph still has upside versus Seattle's Seattle's defense, giving up the ninth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. David Njoku, 20% ESP and 30 in Yahoo. If Njoku is activated off IR this week in returns, he'll be a great matchup right out of the gate versus Pittsburgh, giving up the seventh most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland offense as a whole have improved greatly since Njoku's injury, and he could figure into a more prominent red zone role. And then Gerald Everett, 72% Yahoo, 66 in ESPN, well, 72 in ESPN, 66 in Yahoo. He's owned in most leagues, but he's definitely worth mentioning since he plays Arizona this week, the best matchup for tight ends this year. It's worth checking if he's out there, if you, if you have a must-win week to make the fantasy playoffs. Yep, and then the New York Jets lead off our defenses to pick up off waivers at 26% owned in ESPN, 24% in Yahoo. The last three defenses to play the Bengals have scored 23, 12, and 11 fantasy points. Andy Dalton uh, is coming back, but the Bengals are still struggling in general, and this is a Jets defense that's playing confidently after dismantling the Raiders and Derek Carr at home this past week. Philadelphia, 36% owned in ESPN, 39% owned in Yahoo. No team has failed to score at least six fantasy points against Miami this year. The Eagles are a high-floor defensive option this week with a decent ceiling, even if the offense continues to circle a bit. Kansas City, 25% owned in ESPN, 21% owned in Yahoo. Fresh off of their bye, the Chiefs are going to face a Derek Carr-led team that just got its confidence shattered by the Jets. The run defense is still a concern, but the pass rush should get some good things done against Carr this week. 
And some kickers. Nick Folk, 20% in ESPN, 58% in Yahoo. Let's try this again. The new, new Steven Guskowski. Folk has kicked well for three games in a row now, even in the rainstorm versus Dallas. He's a top 10 kicker on this New England offense that's moving the ball, but still struggling at times in the red zone. Jake Elliott, 19% in ESPN, 22 in Yahoo. Philly's offense has struggled versus New England and Seattle, but Miami should be a welcome bounce-back game. Expect more opportunities for Elliott this week as long as the Philly offense can move the ball in South Florida. Robbie Gold, 48% in ESPN, 18 in Yahoo. Gold hasn't been elite this year as he has in the past, but he's still an above-average kicker on a good offense. If Gold was dropped due to his injury, he's worth picking up for Week 13 and rest of the season. <clears throat> Gold was spotted kicking on the sidelines last week, even though he missed the game versus Green Bay. So a return could be close. Yep, and that is going to wrap up our show for tonight. Uh, yes, sir. Know, man, it's uh, it's a big week. Uh, must win for a lot of teams out there. Uh, I mean, in general, the, every week is a must win if you think about it, but especially the yep. last week of the fantasy regular season. Hopefully uh, you all have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy lots of turkey or whatever it is that you and your family eats on Thanksgiving. And hopefully you'll enjoy some good football if you have the time to watch. Uh, or at least, uh, you know, when you check on your fantasy stats, uh, when you wake up from that post-dinner nap, uh, you'll be ahead, right? Should be a lot of fun. The holiday season's always the best. Yep, and uh, we appreciate, uh, we are thankful for all of our listeners and our listener family. Um, we wish you the best of luck in this final week of the regular season. And as always, if you need further guidance from us, uh, specific to your team or league, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los. You can reach super producer Dan the man at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, normal spelling of Dan. And then of course we're available on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher and SoundCloud. So go ahead, find those, find those apps, click subscribe, whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, we will have a podcast ready for you Tuesday morning. Yep. Best of luck this week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving again. And as always, it's a fantasy world and we're all just addicts in it. Happy Thanksgiving addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. Recent independent studies show that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery.